Yeah, so when you worship, you're, you're in, I'm sort of encouraged that, you know, God loves me. Grace is an ocean I'm sinking. How, how, like we, sung, we sung songs like, how beautiful you are and how great your love and affection for me. Things like that. And that's true for me. And that's true for a lot of you. That those are your sentiments as well. And you feel God's love too. And so I, as, as we're singing pretty loud and it's, it's, you know, I'm hearing that and I'm feeling it. I'm seeing you sing that. I just wish like we had, I mean, like, I wish this, this whole thing was packed and was infinitely louder. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't you be so encouraged to see that? I, I really do pray that, that happens, that we have a bunch more people show up and hear about this kind of stuff. Because what we're hearing tonight is something that is life-changing. Uh, if you understand this, it will revolutionize your life. It, it, I must hear it every day. Because, look, I love my job. I love it. I'm very joyful about doing what I do. And sometimes I feel like I love my job a little too much. And so I feel like I need to go to sleep sometimes and just take a day, not do anything related to RUF, and, and just be uh, apart from my job because it can become like an ongoing, all-consuming thing, as many of our jobs can become. And so tonight, we're going to look at how we all must realize that things are going to like, we don't, got, we don't need to be defined by our jobs. Like, so I was sitting at Starbucks buying my coffee tonight, and I saw two girls over there reading their Bibles and talking about it. And I'm like, look, God doesn't need Justin to save the world. Uh, there are fine things going on right there about the gospel. And so, like, I can go to bed tonight knowing there's good things happening that I don't have to be a part of uh, at YOU. So here we go. We're looking at Exodus 20, 8 through 11. There's a, there's a little observational thing before we start. So... Hear God's word. Um, There it is. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you labor and do your work. You shall labor and do your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them. And rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. That's the word of God. Uh, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it tonight. Uh, The first song we sang there, uh, the mighty fortress is our God. A mighty fortress is our God. In that that text, it's it's a text from the Reformation where where people are literally being killed for their faith. And so in that psalm, there's a lyric that says, the body they may kill, but God's truth will abide still. And so this is this great faith or belief that I can go to rest. I can go to my my eternal rest. I can go to my death, knowing that God's going to continue being at work, continue being the Lord. And this is so timely for us, because if if you're like me, anxiety angst about your job or your, your calling here to be a student is, is where you live. And, and, and you may be serving it uh, and, 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 you know, just always enslaved to your syllabus, what, what you have to do. You feel like you never can do enough to really measure up. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, make a case that you're not designed to be enslaved to organic chemistry, uh, to economics, to English literature, Whatever it is. So uh, first uh, point tonight, we're going to talk about work and 
rest. So the first point's going to be about work, so that'll be going along um, uh, on our outline. But when we look at the text block, go back to the text block for a minute. Text block. Thank you. Okay, so verses 8 through 10 is the fourth commandment, okay? Uh, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall work and then do all your work. And then it talks about what that means. That means you're, you're kind of accountable for other people to keep that also. Manservants, maidservants, sons and daughters. You don't want to cause other people to, 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 re, to, to work on that day. And you want to encourage them to work on the days when they should. And then there's an explanation in verse 11. There's that one, one word there, for, which is the key to understanding this. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth. For. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take this law and say, because God did creation in six days and rested, though he didn't have to, that's your pattern. You've got to work and realize that work is good. God's pattern for you is to work. And work is good, but you're also called to rest. And so there's a working and resting cycle that we all are established for. And, over, and, and so we image God, as, as the Bible says, by our keeping his pattern. Okay? So your calling in life is defined by who God is. And human beings being created to be his image. So working and resting. So let, now, let me just give you a little bit of context for this text. If, you, if you're new to this, this whole series we're doing on the Ten Commandments this year, uh, the Fourth Commandment has a context. And the context is, these people have been set free from slavery. They have been taken from Egypt by God's grace out of, sla- out of Egyptian slavery and set free. And so just a word here, just some, kind of a miscellaneous point. A lot of skeptics will say that, that God condones slavery in the Bible. Well, no, he doesn't. Um, he didn't. To say God condones slavery means someone hasn't read the Bible very carefully. The very central, the center of miracles in the Bible where God takes slaves out of slavery and sets them free is the thing he wanted to teach people that Jesus is going to be like. Jesus is going to be like the liberator who takes people out of bondage to slavery. That's actually it. So literally removing slaves from their slave master and putting them into a new life of freedom is what Jesus is going to do. This little, this little commandment, these commandment deals are showing us what Jesus is like. He takes us out of slavery into a free life and so when we look at the Ten Commandments, understand that we've got to know that the Ten Commandments show us what a free life is to be like. How would you thrive in life as a free person? You're to work and rest. So what does God teach us about work? So point one, what is work? Well, you're, you know, first when, you got, when we come to the text, anytime in the, te- in the Bible we come to the text, we've got baggage with that text. So you're going you're gonna to realize when you come to this, there's going to be something that's fighting against you to believe this. It's saying this isn't true. Now, what's interesting is, like, today, no one, is, no one in the church, actually, is disputing that murder is still wrong, okay? We all get that, you know, cheating, uh, killing some, stabbing someone to death and killing them is wrong, okay? No one, no one disputes that. Lying is usually viewed as wrong, okay? Stealing, wrong. Um, committing, uh, cheating, cheating and uh, committing adultery on your spouse, always sort of we view that as wrong. When somebody does that to you, that's wrong, okay? You get that. That's, that's an objective, true thing about life. But when it comes to, wait a minute, wait, wait, you mean work six days and rest one, like, we don't know if that still applies, okay? Like that, that's like, we don't get that in our culture today about, I've got to rest from work. So 
that's one thing, but we're going to talk about working and resting. So working, first thing our, we're, that's gonna, that you're going to have to believe here is that work is good, but we think work kills our joy. We work for the weekend. If you've ever seen that movie Office Space, uh, the, guy, the, the main character that says, look, I just do enough work to not get fired. Okay, I just want to do enough work. I come in, I do about 15 minutes of work every day, and I kind of sit at my desk and zone out. I do the bare minimum so I can keep on going. Um, and so that's one thing. Work kills your joy. But secondly is that work justifies your existence. And this leads us to that, to that kind of belief that I can't rest ever. If work defines you, if life is a continuing aptitude test, which you never measure up, if you're called to work 9 to 5, you're going to work 8 to 8. You're never going to do enough, ever, because work defines you. I had a seminary professor uh, in my ethics class teaching on this. He said, look, some of you will not be able to, to, to keep the law and get an A in this class because to do so would mean you are neglecting people who you are responsible for, namely your wife and children. If, these thing, if, if, if you're getting an A in this class means that you're going to neglect other responsibilities in your life, you are sinning against God. That's, that's just, I mean, we're workaholics. We think, oh, I've got to be defined by work. Like when you meet somebody, you're like, what do you do? Especially guys do this all the time. What do you do? What is he? So your job defines you. And if your job defines you, you can become enslaved to it. It can justify your existence. And so it's a, it's a culturally acceptable sin, I believe, to be tired all the time. Like you're walking around on campus, you see your friends, and you're like, how you doing? Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. It's like, oh, yeah. And so when you do that, you're justifying yourself. You're saying, look, I am tired. I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm fitting in. My work defines me. I'm doing what I'm called to do. Work makes me matter is what you say when you say, I'm so tired. You're saying to people you matter. You're doing your job. You believe that about work, and it will kill you. It will kill you. Um, so some of you are tired because you're slacking off and not doing your six days of work, and you're not getting that in. So you're, you're like, you're, you're staying up all night. You're, you're having to cram for things. You're not doing the work. There's different, there's different ways you can sin against this command, but we don't believe that work is good. We believe that we're slaves to it or we hate it. And so the first view of life makes it seem meaningless. Like work, is, work kills our joy. And so we'll struggle to find identity elsewhere and pleasure or something else. But the second view uh, of that, our, that our, our world tells us is that work justifies our existence. Well, then our job tries to become our savior for us, and it can't do that. So what's the gospel teach us about work? Um, second point underneath the first one. Um, well, you know, um, the Bible actually tells us work is good. In Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, uh, God gave people things to do, and, and that was, that's before the fall. There's no curse involved there. So he says, go out and tend this garden, name the animals, care for them, and that's good. But we may, you know, now, that now we're sort of cursed, and so, um, you know, Ivy League schools now, I mean, you know, if you want to get in the Ivy League after this, you know, you've got to really get the right scores on the, on the exams. And in the olden days, it used to be that family ties really mattered more than scores, and now you become a number. You're just a number. You're just, here's, what, here's my grade point average. Here's my SAT scores. Here's my, G, you know, my, my GRE and my LSAT and MCAT and on and on. So 
All right, uh, you think, okay, I've got to get married too, but no one feels ready for that because you've got to work hard to, to get right to get married, right? You've got to read the right books, you've got to you know, study on that, and then you've got to be married, you've got, so you got to be who you need to be to be married. So we're, we're working, we're finding, we're finding out why we exist, and so um, the center of this command, though, is that work is good. Um, and so um, if, the, if the church tells us one thing about work, um, it's that, um, um, you know, Maybe, I don't know if you've ever heard this in church, but work um, is one thing, but then like doing Christian work is another thing. Um, there's sort of like good work out there, and there's like better work. And so I don't know if you've ever like kind of taken this as an implicit thing or maybe an explicit thing from what church message you've ever heard, but sort of like what Christians kind of tell you sometimes is that if you're really holy, you'll be a missionary, okay? You'll go out and do some missions. And then if you're, if you're not as holy, you might be a campus minister, because um, that's, that's a cush job, everyone, I mean, that's, yeah, so, but, um, but uh, you know, and then if you're not going to do that, you've got to, like, give them a bunch of money, okay, like, you've got to fund these missionaries, you've got to be giving money or going, or, like, and so it's, like, like, that's, that's, like, explicitly said, everyone must be giving or going, okay, like, there's this, like, hierarchy of spirituality attached to work, and so a missionary job is sort of, like, that work is valued up high, and then the other stuff is low. And so, or lower, and so, like, the more whole, and then so, like, if you go to work in, like, a normal everyday job, it's like, your whole purpose taught by the church is that you got to be there to sort of evangelize everybody else and get them to where you are, okay, get them to Christ. So, that's not the biblical view of, of work, actually. The biblical view of work is that doing what you're made to do is actually good, uh, and, and you don't have to be somebody you're not. I mean, you, you have gifts and abilities and talents that are awesome, and so, being a missionary is not what you, everyone needs to do. So I'm going to, this is maybe the first time you've ever heard a sermon saying, don't be a missionary, okay? You don't have to be a missionary. Uh, if that's what you feel called to do, do that, but that's not the highest job. It's just as spiritual to do anything uh, that you're called to do. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets, even as Michelangelo painted, Beethoven composed symphonies, Shakespeare wrote poetry, he should sweep streets so well that the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived the greatest street sweeper who ever lived. He did his job well. And I say, amen, Martin Luther King Jr., amen, right? Um, work is good, and it's so good that God made us to do it. Uh, and so because work is good, we ought to do it, but it doesn't define us. We ought to love it. We ought to street sweep the best we can and, and then be at rest for eternity. And so Genesis um, 2, and then here Exodus 20, verse 9, says that normal, everyday work, jobs are basic. And they've actually existed longer than missions has existed. It's existed in paradise, even, doing work. And so here it is. Go be an accountant, be an architect, be a doctor, nurse, engineer, undertaker, whatever you want to do, uh, and do it. But there is no sort of sacredness to some jobs and sacredness to other jobs out there. Legitimate jobs it is. Uh, pimps are not legitimate jobs, things like that. Um, so like, it has to be a lawful job, right? Um, so, um, so you're going to, but you know, like work is hard and that's sort of why, we, why work can be difficult, right? So you want to, um, you know, realize that we live in a fallen world and there's going to be a day in which heaven's going to come to earth and Jesus is going to bring that. And I think we'll have jobs in the new heavens and earth, and, and it'll be fun. We will run, that's hard to believe that we'll actually have work in the new heavens and earth, but like, it'll be uncursed work, 
will run and not grow weary. What else? I mean, let's, okay, so next thing. What, is the, what else does the Bible say about this, this command? You know, what is it about? Also, it's got a lot about work, but work implies rest also. So second point, what is rest? What about rest? Our, our, what's our, what, what baggage do we have when we, when we talk about rest? Second point. So two things. First one uh, is that there's no need to rest. No need to rest, right? There's no need to rest. Chick-fil-A being closed on Sunday kills me. I hate that. Uh, I absolutely, like, I, I want to leave church or wherever I am, if I'm going on a road trip or something like that, and get Chick-fil-A. And uh, it kills me. Um, I don't think they should be, I mean, I, I, I get it, but I hurt. I want to wheel in there and get my Chick-fil-A nuggets and waffle fries. But um, see, the, the culture tells me I don't need to rest. They don't need to rest. Um, but people and people who aren't workaholics are shunned by me. Okay, like, they, like I judge Chick-fil-A for being closed on Sunday. Uh, I curse them sometimes for being closed on Sunday, especially because that's all my kids want. Um, they don't want McDonald's. They don't want our food. They want Chick-fil-A. So uh, people who aren't workaholics, like I said, are shunned. And so you as, you as students to even get into college were encouraged to keep a crazy schedule in high school, right? You had to juggle, you know, every waking hour with seven subjects of homework extracurricular activities, clubs, sports, and in the eyes of the university, you're a good candidate if you have the potential to be a workaholic and to stretch yourself thin in all these sort of areas and get out there and do all these clubs in order to get your scholarships. That's how we, that we view ourselves, is, is we push ourselves to the max in order to justify ourselves and even to get in college. Secondly, what our, what our culture tells us about rest is that we don't need to rest because we can find our justification through getting busy uh, or busyness. Um, so get to work. And so we, we kind of take this and apply this to our spiritual life, which, okay, if you, I don't know if you've ever been there, but like, um, you know, like, just think about, you know, like, you, you've probably got, maybe some of you have gotten drunk before, okay? And if you've gotten drunk before, you know, like, maybe on, like, that Saturday morning you wake up, and you're, you're hungover, and you're like, I'm never drinking again. And then Sunday afternoon you wake up, and you say the same thing. I am never, ever drinking again. And you, you don't actually say just that. You say, like, okay, I've missed church today. Now I've got to go, like, I'm going to RUF this week, and I'm going to read my Bible extra, and I'm going to volunteer, and I'm going to do all these other things because I need to make up what I lack. And so you're going to do that extra quiet time, extra stuff, small group even. You're going to go to Sheds of Hope now because it's drunkenness. You're going to make it up, okay? Um, you're going to go to summer conference and actually just supercharge your life, uh, you know, for in God's eyes. Well, Jesus says you don't have to work towards God in order to justify yourself. Jesus says, actually, come unto me and rest. All ye who are weary, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of you are going to fail. But it's not putting good works in the column against your failures. That's not going to make God love you more. The whole reason for doing things that God loves is out of gratitude, humility, thankfulness, and joy for serving him. It's not, man, I got drunk, now I got to do a bunch more. Okay, I've got to do more to justify what I have done. Um, done against him. So you don't have to prove yourself to God by working. 
Uh, so what does the gospel tell me about rest then? It tells me, come unto him and rest. Come to Jesus and rest. Rest says by faith that I am not defined by my job or by any good works that I might do. Um, my work will never be fundamental to who I am. I'm not defined as righteous because of my job performance or how well I have performed um, for God. How many hoops have I jumped through this week uh, or my whole life versus the, the times I've fallen? And so Romans 4 actually says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Not to the one who works, peace to the one who does not work. It says the one who trusts. Resting, y'all, requires faith. And so when we take a Sabbath, which next week we're going to build a case for why you need a Sabbath in life. So this time we're talking just working, resting. But next week's all about a Sabbath or resting. Why must you rest? If you're going to take a Sabbath, if you're going to, if you're going to rest... That's a picture of true salvation, a rest in Jesus, because salvation can be pictured as rest. It's by grace that you're saved, not by working. Okay, why, why do you think there's so little faith at OU? Have you ever wondered that? Maybe you, maybe you feel like there's a lot of faith at OU in Jesus, but why is there so little faith here? Why? It's because we don't rest, and we, so therefore we don't know how to believe. Your doing informs your belief. What you do has absolute consequences. If you're running around crazy trying to justify yourself all the time, how do you know how to trust, how to believe, how to do nothing? That's what salvation looks like. It's do, we do nothing. Jesus did everything. There is none of my works that will be measured out for my eternal salvation at all. Third point, what about our calling? Your calling. Calling in life is to do your vocation, to know who you are, to do it well, to not let it define you, to rest. All Christians are to work from a sense of freedom rather than slavery. What you do here does not define you. What Jesus did for you defines you. That he made you defines you. This working and resting is inexplicably, like I said, tied to the creation. God is the creator. He's the sustainer. He's ultimately the creator of all of our work. All the results of our work are because he is active. He's working in order to bring us under rest. So what happened was in the past, and 2,000 years ago, Jesus left his rest and went to work for you in order to win your eternal rest. You don't have to win it. It's entirely his. Doing your calling means whatever you do, all the rest of the week, you rest from it one day a week, Sunday. Until you rest in Christ, you're going to have no room to rest. And we're going we're to go further into that. So that means, guys, if you study six days a week, take Sunday off. And you might, be a, you might become a more faithful person. Uh, you might even become a better student. We'll look at it next week. You might see amazing things happen. Only people who can leave the office at the office are those who are going to know that they're delighted in. They're going to know that God loves them. 
Because it's not those who work, but those who trust. It's those who rest. That's what the gospel says. Your calling is to rest in Christ. So we'll pray and we'll end it there. Uh, Father in heaven, you're good to us. Uh, help us to, to, to take these truths and internalize them. The truths we sang earlier, you are our mighty fortress. Uh, though the body outwardly may be wasting away, inwardly you renew us with bread from heaven. You renew us with the very bread of Jesus' own body, uh, broken for us. His blood poured out for us on a cross that you would die for us. Lord, help us to believe that that was for, for me and for all, for all of us. Help us to believe that, internalize that truth, that we might work hard. We might rest with delight in all of our days. And we will give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. Guys, are there any questions?